Hi, you're listening to the sermon recording podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. All right, so we get to start a new series tonight. <laughs> nice segue. Uh, it's called Family Talk. And right away, some of you are thinking, I, have, I am not any combination of married with children, so this does not pertain to me. Wrong. It does, because we're talking more about the expressions of family, not what Webster's says family is. So we all view families in different ways. We all view families units in different ways, and we all probably feel that we're a part of more than one family, correct? So here at Awaken, we talk a lot about, a family, about family. They just talked about it up here. We call our gathering a place that we meet like family, and we even celebrate that by having a meal together once a month. And then missional communities are all about the idea of what family is meant to look like and living in family together in community. So do not check out if you heard family talk and thought it's going to be what it always is, because it's different. So yay for everybody. We're keeping everybody included in this. Um, so anyway, when you think of a family expression, so like you have blood family, family you're married into, people you game with, you hang out and you're really close to, and you consider them family, all different kinds of family, right? I don't game, by the way. That was just something I threw out there. I've tried to game, and it doesn't work, so... Uh, well, yeah, I don't game, but some of you I know do, and you consider the people in those groups as your family. So that's what we're talking about tonight. So when I say family, I need audience participation, even though I can't really see you, and um, you're all really spread out. Just give me some words that you would use to describe a family. Funny. funny. I'm sure your family is very funny. Supportive. What was that? Bonding. Guidance. Loyal. Stressful. Yes. What else? Anything else? Honest. Annoying. Well, that's good because, you know, I'm a cup, half, a cup half empty kind of girl and can tend to be kind of negative. So when I thought of family, the words that first came to my mind were like dysfunctional, <laughs> estranged, <laughs> broken. Because it seems like in society, when you say the word family, those are what people are actually feeling in the moment. They feel like their family is dysfunctional. They feel like they're broken. They feel like they're estranged from family. So even though we say these positive things, and we probably feel them from time to time. What I figured out when I was looking into this is sometimes what I want my family to be, what I really, really want it to be deep down inside of me, isn't actually what it is. When we look closer at it, it's not what it is, but we're just used to saying family is loving, family is loyal, family is kind. So we just call it that. But when we examine it closer, we realize that maybe my family is a little dysfunctional. And maybe my family is a little bit broken. So that is what we're going to talk about tonight. 
So when we think of family, we want our families to kind of meet these needs we have inside of us, right? That's kind of naturally what we do when we sit in a family relationship. We sit down and we share a table and we come with our stories, right? We come with what happened to us that week and we want everybody to listen. We want everybody to pay attention to what's going inside, going on inside of us. So we start to get this mentality that we sit down at the table with our family, we game with our family, and it becomes a place where we get something from them. But then we forget to give something in return a lot of times, right? So that's where this thing called dysfunction happens. And what I want to talk about tonight is how there's a lot of ways dysfunction can enter a family. And there's a lot of ways that we can't even get to tonight. So I'm not discounting these ways that dysfunction can enter a family. But I do want to say this. I think when we examine our families close enough and we examine this dysfunction, we can say without a doubt that dysfunction is part of our families simply because we are a part of our families. We bring dysfunction because we're human and we make mistakes and it just happens. We bring dysfunction. We bring dysfunction because we have to be the dysfunctional ones if we want to fix something because we're the only ones that we can change, right? We can't change anybody else around us, but we can change ourselves and we can start changing the dysfunction that happens in our families. So in our family, we garden a lot now, like a lot, like more than I really want to, a lot, because Mike really likes to garden. So we, we just went yesterday, Friday? Is yesterday Friday? I'm lost. I don't know what day it is. It is Saturday. We went yesterday and got all of our plants for this year, and we planted this garden. But three, about three years ago, we started gardening, and we wanted to do it right because we started digging up our dirt and realized that when they built our house, they just buried all the bricks and the concrete into the beds. So we're digging up wires and nails and concrete and bricks and like, we can't grow anything here. So we did it right. We built these raised beds. We put dirt in them, really nice soil. We like put feed in them, like the little green specks. I don't know what it is in there. And then we went out and bought, don't laugh at me. We went out and bought, um, all these plants that are starting to grow, not the seeds, but like, like they're starting to grow. And we went outside and we put them in. And most of our plants are peppers. Are you surprised? Because Mike loves peppers. So we have all these varieties of peppers that only he will eat. And we planted them. It looks really pretty. We watered them. And yeah, it was really great. So the next day, this is three years ago. The next day, if you know anything about Mike, you also know that he loves to admire what he's just done. So if he's built something, if he's planted something, if he's painted something, the next day you will find him sitting in front of it just looking at it because, oh, I accomplished this. And that's what he did. So we went outside and he's examining these plants really closely, like really closely. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm looking to see if we have any peppers. I'm like, we, one day these things have been in the ground. One day, and you're already looking for a pepper. Like, I think he knew they weren't going to be there, but he was just kind of hoping because he put all this hard work into it. So what happens if, let's say I did not prepare the soil for the garden. Let's got these pepper plants that are starting, and we just threw them on the ground, left them there, didn't do anything with them. We didn't prepare the soil. We didn't water them, nothing. 
Well, if you live in my neighborhood, then your neighbor named Nancy, who's really into gardening, gardening is going to come over and say, why does your yard look this way? And why are your plants like that? They're going to die. And I would have to say, you know, I've decided I'm not going to plant that pepper plant until it grows a pepper. Because it's got to give me something before I'm going to give it anything. So I'm not going to plant that in the ground until it's ready to give me a pepper. That's silly, isn't it? But in our concept of family, I think sometimes we sit down at the table and say, I'm not going to give you anything until you give me something first. We don't want it to end up that way, but we're human, and it does. That's what we think of. So this idea of um, dysfunction, it starts with trying to take from our families instead of giving. Because families are meant to be a place of giving and receiving and not giving just to receive or not giving because I am receiving. Does that make sense? So what are we supposed to be giving? What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of giving something to your family? It's easy. Okay, time to. <laughs> What's that? No, 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 it's good. Love. We are supposed to love each other, right? So that is like the, that's the thing, right? We're supposed to be giving love and receiving love. That's what the main thing we understand as families and what we do. But the truth of the matter is, our actions speak a lot like the pepper plants that don't get planted, right? If you love me, then I will love you in return. But that's not how families were supposed to work. So what's the, what's the most popular passage of scripture on love? Yes, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And I do believe 8a says love never fails. So if we're supposed to be giving and not just receiving love and all of this love that we just read about, how do we do it? Because if we look around the world today, we see more dysfunction in families than we don't. So obviously there's something we're not doing, right? So how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we give this love and receive it and not just take from our families? Silas is my six-year-old, and uh, he has this way of saying goodnight that's really, really cute. First of all, a little background. We have four kids, all three years apart until the last two, and Silas was a little bit of a surprise. So three years apart and then 15 months apart. We're like, what the heck were we doing? <laughs> so Silas, we call him our comic relief. We feel like, yes, uh, <laughs> thank you for that. We feel like um, God gave him to us in that moment because we needed someone to make us laugh. We really do. We talk about it all the time. He's quiet, but if you catch him in the right, he is super, super funny. Like, he called Mike today an old lady, and it was just really funny. The way he did it was just hilarious. Like, he's so quiet and just slips him in. Slips him in. He's just really funny, and he's what we needed at the time. So he has this way of saying goodnight, and it started with, I always kiss them on the forehead. 
So it used to be I would lean down and kiss him on the forehead. And then one time he grabbed my face and said, no, I got to kiss you too. So he'd kiss me on the forehead. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. So I kiss him, he kisses me, that's it. And so I was like, I thought that was it. And we were moving on. And uh, then he says, no, mom, there's more. And I was like, all right, what is it? He's like, we got to do a man hug. I was like, a man hug? <laughs> do you know what a man hug is? So he kisses, I kiss him on the forehead, he kisses me on the forehead, then we slap hands and pat each other's back. And we do that every single night. And he does it with Mike, and he does it with me. And it's this idea that I see in him, like he knew mommy and daddy love me, how can I show them? How can I show them that I love them too? So the kiss on the forehead was really nice and it melts my heart every time. But it, in true Silas fashion, he added in the man hug just to say, like, hey, I really do love you. So here's where we name this dysfunction. Here's why we discover that we maybe are family shopping, because we do that, right? If our family doesn't fit for what we want it to fit like in the moment, then we don't leave it per se, but we check out emotionally and join somewhere else, right? We go somewhere else that makes us feel good, makes us feel like we're getting something somewhere. So we family shop, we only give just when we're getting something in return, but there's this thing called love that we're supposed to be giving and receiving, and we're trying to figure out how to do that. So this is where, like I said, we name that dysfunction. We discover why we check out, why we aren't getting what we want from our families. Because we can't give something we don't have, right? The reason we take from our families is because we feel empty and feel like we have nothing to give. Why is that? Well, I think of Silas in his six-year-old mind, and he found a way to give back his love. And this is how we do it, too. We love because he first loved us, right? So 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. Families were designed to be a place to live out the love God has for us. That love that we talked about earlier, that love that's patient and kind and bears all things. The love that never fails, like we sang about earlier. We're supposed to live that out in our families, but we don't know how to do that. And that's the place where we live out the love that God has for us, and it's a, it's a giving and receiving pattern that just keeps happening, and it's not hard. Like, it's not, it's not supposed to be hard. It's not something that we have to grasp for. It just starts happening naturally. How do we do this? So if we look at Scripture, we can see that families, even in the Bible, were dysfunctional, right? And they were on a scavenger hunt to find some of the things that we are looking for today. So, like scavenger hunt, let's go there for a second. So I grew up in a really small, 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 small town. You guys seem really far away, so I'm going to sit here for a second. Um, small, small town, one stoplight, more, more hor horses and buggies than people probably. So like one of those kind of things. And so we had, I grew up in the era of the 
um, desktop computer with the green screen and you had the floppy disk of the Oregon Trail and it took five minutes to dial up on AOL's internet. So we had that, we had one that we all shared. One stoplight, the mall was 20 miles away. So what did we do for youth events? I was part of the youth group. We did scavenger hunts quite a bit and it usually involved a farm because that's what it was around. So one of the stops had to be Culp's farm. We didn't have cell phones, so we didn't know what was going on with each other. It was just kind of what we did because we didn't have anything else to do. Well, the most epic scavenger hunt of all time is seen throughout scripture too. People looking, looking, looking for, to fill this deepest need with inside of them, that's inside of them and they can't find it. And we see that through the dysfunction that happens. We see what happened with Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel, right? His brother. That's the very first family and someone murders somebody. Um, Jacob cheated his brother out of his birthright. What did Joseph's brothers do to him? They sold him to slavery instead of, in, instead of killing him because that seemed like the best option. So we have, and then we have David. What didn't David do? He was like a family shopper beyond family shoppers. Like, he was always looking for another place. So, all this proves is that when our families, when we use our families to meet a certain need inside of us, we bring dysfunction to them. Because they weren't meant to do that. They were supposed to be a place of giving and receiving this love, but we don't know where to give and receive this love from. So if we love because he first loved us, but yet we're still surrounded by dysfunction, we're missing something, right? It's obvious. We're missing something. And I think it's this. We try to give out of what's inside of ourselves, right? And that's what we've talked about. We give out of this place, and then we get to a place where it's empty. There's nothing left to give because we're trying to give out of the love that was in us, that was given to us by somebody else, and it's not deep enough. There's not enough of it in there. And that's because earthly love wasn't meant to fill that void. It wasn't meant to be with us, to help us withstand the trials of life. So where do we find the love we read about in 1 Corinthians, and how do we incorporate it into our families? So we have this 1 Corinthians passage all about love. It sounds amazing. It sounds like, yeah, duh, that's what we want to do. But how do I do that? Because all I know is that I've, I've ended up around this, a part of this family unit where I'm just taking, not even realizing it, because somewhere along the line, I've run up empty, and I don't know why. So, how? How do I live in this um, 1 Corinthians love? How? How do I build my family structure around it? And why was it so important to do that? So let's read this prayer Paul's praying in Ephesians 3. And it says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, 
rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. That you may be filled with the fullness of God, being rooted and grounded in love, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Think for a second. Filled with the fullness of God. Do you know what that feels like? Have you felt that before? Filled with the fullness of God. I'm trying to think about that. Filled with the fullness of God. Like I'm not joking. I, I'm not sure if I've ever felt the fullness of God all the way deep down into my toes to where I'm rooted in it. I mean, if I'm being honest and I'm going to nitpick, it makes sense that I bring dysfunction to every relationship that I am am in, to, to every family unit that I am in. If I, if I don't believe that, if I don't believe this passage enough that it fills me down into the roots of who I am and I'm grounded in it, it makes sense that there's dysfunction all around us. And if we believed this passage, then it would almost seem natural to live from it, wouldn't it? So somewhere along the line, we know this love, but we separate ourselves from it, or we just don't realize we're not living in it. We're not claiming it as our own. Like we know God is love, we know that he loves us, but we don't bury it deep down in ourselves. We don't root ourselves in it. We're not grounded in it. So then we wake up one day and we're living in dysfunction. Families were not meant to be that. Why? How do we know this? Because the the Trinity, right? If we look at the Trinity, it's the ultimate picture of a family. It's the only family that isn't dysfunctional. Yeah? It's the only one. Because right, right away we saw the very first family, that we've got the tree issue in the garden, and then their sons killing each other. So that's dysfunction. So we, the, we don't have a family in Scripture that's not dysfunctional. So the Trinity is the ultimate picture of what a family is supposed to, to look like. It's the perfect picture of that natural pattern of giving and receiving, where you don't have to think about it. You're just rooted down in this love of God, and it just comes out of you. That's just natural for you, because you're so rooted. You're to the place where you believe only that. That's first. I believe God loves me, and because I believe that down in my, deep down in my soul, I don't need, I don't need all of this stuff that I thought I needed before. And it's natural. We start giving and receiving in these relationships. The Trinity is the perfect picture. It shows us what it looks like to be rooted and grounded in love. So as the Son was rooted in the Father, and the Father says of the Son, this is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased, we see that 1 Corinthians love through kindness. And then going back to um, creation, There was no boasting, there was no envy when the world was being created among the Trinity, right? 
It's that perfect giving and receiving where you make yourself less when you're supposed to be less and more when you're supposed to be more. You give and you receive out of this love that's rooted deep down in you, in who you are. So what does this mean for us? God designed families. This is why we don't need Webster's definition of a family, and we don't need to camp on all that stuff, because families start with us, right? Families start with us. We can only change us anyway. Families start with us. God designed families so that he comes first. He's supposed to be first, above all. And the only way that happens is if we're rooted in the love of God, the immeasurable love of God. Like nothing, nothing can match it. So it doesn't really matter what we thought we were going to get from these families that we're not. If we're rooted in that, that all means nothing anyway because we know. We know that we are loved. Now, that doesn't mean that earthly relationships are not important. That's not what I'm saying. Community, God wanted us to live in community. They are important. But love between us as friends, as family, is the icing on the cake. It was never meant to be the cake. Does that make sense? God's love for us, buried deep down in us, rooted in us, we're grounded in it, that should be the cake. Can you picture it? And in all our earthly relationships, those, those connections that we do, we love each other. That's the icing. So we don't need all of the icing to live, but it sure makes us feel alive, doesn't it? So God comes first. If we don't live in this love that we believe that God loves us immeasurably, if we don't live in that, if we're not rooted in that, then our family units are going to be dysfunctional because we're still in them. So what has to happen? How do we live out of that love? Basically, I think what happens is when we sit around a table and or we're, whatever we're doing with our family units, however they look, and we realize that we've been taking and not giving, it's because that family unit, our earthly family unit, is over here, and our connection with God is over here. The way it's supposed to happen is we believe God loves us deep down in. It's rooted in us, and because of that, all of our earthly relationships filter through that love. Does that make sense? And that's how the giving and the receiving cycle happens. So they're not meant to be separated. That's how we love. That's how we love because, okay, dysfunction. So that means I might be living into that love of God, but someone around me isn't. There's going to be times when we're giving, 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 and that other person who isn't rooted in God's love isn't giving back. So there's no giving and receiving happening. But when I'm rooted in God's love, that's what I mean. The love of each other is the icing. Because when I'm rooted in that love of God, that cake, the icing feels good and it makes us feel alive. And it does hurt a little bit when there's nothing giving back. But I can love and I can live because I believe 
deep down in my soul that God loves me. So how do we do this? How do we grow deeper? Guys, pray it over yourself. Ask for it. Ask for it. So if we reread this Ephesians 3 passage, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father from from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant me to be strengthened with power through his spirit in my, in my inner being, so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith, that I, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, what is the length, what is the height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that I may be filled with the fullness of God. Me. If I want it, I have to ask for it. This week, guys, I've been asking for it. Because I woke up and realized in my wrestling this week with love and forgiveness, in my wrestling with bearing with one another, in my wrestling with, is there really hope? In that, I was kind of shocked to see that maybe I had been living in a family unit where I was expecting to take things. I wasn't living deep, I wasn't rooted deep in the love of God. And I was shocked to my core this week when dysfunction overtook my life. So I've been living this scripture this week, praying for it, asking God, I want to love like you love. I want to be a part of a family and feel like I belong, but everybody around me is dysfunctional. So how the heck is that supposed to happen? Because God's idea, God's design for families is that we naturally give and receive, give and receive, but that only works if we're all willing to be rooted in the love of God because that is where the love comes from that we give. That is where we filter everything through because God has to be first. And if that isn't happening, then how do I live where I'm at in the moment? It's because I realize that there's no human on this planet that can meet that need inside of me. And if we all realized that, it would take the pressure off of our families, wouldn't it? We're asking a lot of our families sometimes because they cannot be God for us. They're the icing. They make life fun. They make us feel like we're be we belong. But the cake, the meat of it all has to be God. It has to be his love for us. And I was face to face with that this week, realizing that I had drifted. I had gotten to the point where I could say it all, but I didn't believe it down in my core. And when I didn't believe it down in my core, it left me shaken. You guys tracking? Because it's God, his immeasurable love, immeasurable love for us that sustains us in all of this. It's only that love that brings peace. It's only that love that brings forgiveness. It's only that love that helps us bear with each other. Using the blueprint of the Trinity and that giving and receiving, it's only through that that we find God's design for families. Yeah, different people form different families, but the only way they thrive the way they're supposed to on this planet 
is when we decide for ourselves, when we choose to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ and who, who he is to me, what he has done for me, and we live out of that love, it overflows from us, then yes, things will hurt us still, but they don't knock us down all the way because we know whose we are. We know to our core that we are loved. When dysfunction happens around us, start praying the scripture over people in your life because they don't believe that God loves them down to their core. That's when dysfunction happens, when you don't believe that God loves you down to your core. So you might not be dysfunction for a moment, but you will be someday. So keep praying this scripture over yourself. And when the people around you, you can't change them, but you can pray for them, right? And you can love them out of this love that God has for you. Because that, that's the only thing that we have that we can give and receive that actually makes us a family.